Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. We've been going through a series of what I really want, and it's from the perception of God saying what I really want, and from us, and there are so many thoughts that people have about the heart of God. Some are with good intentions while others are not. This month, we've been just going through and, uh, and search for the heart of God and what he really wants from us in scripture. And I hope that this whole series has been truly edifying uh, for you in our search and that you find clarity in your life for a deeper place and for God's relationship with you. And I want to start today's message with this question. When would you say you were closest to God? When in time would you say you were closest to God? Is it right now? Was it a couple years ago, a couple months ago? When, what, was it when you first found God? Was it when you had like an epiphany moment? When were you closest to God? And today's uh, subtitle is Turn to Me Again. Turn to me again. And I want to read you all this scripture in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 through, three, 1 through 3. And this is Jesus addressing the churches in the Revelation of uh, John. It says, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly, repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Now, the, the first thing I think about in this scripture, what really sticks out to me, is how Jesus is addressing this church in such a very practical and personal way. Like he's saying things like, wake up. And let's just, let's just start right there. Wake up. And I feel like when I think about this idea that, that God is saying in the scripture, it's almost like going through the, this church is going through the motions of religion. And it says that he's saying that you seem like you are alive, but you're actually dead. Some you seem like you're, you got everything together, but you're dead inside. And that just makes me think of when we go through the motions of religion and Going through the motions of religion will leave you dead inside while still convincing you that that death you feel is normal. It normalizes death in our hearts and our spirits and our souls. And it just convinces you that that's just how it is. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, I was what, what, church, what church says is on fire. That's what like churchy people say, oh, he's on fire. She's on fire. It means when you're really passionate about God 
to where it, you just like exude a light in you and just everything about you is Jesus. And it's just like you're on fire. You know, that's the way people describe you. And most of the people that I came into contact with that had been in church for a while, their, their conversation was always usually, well, just try to hold on to that because that, that fire usually dies out. Oh, I've been, I've been in church for a long time. You're just getting started. That, that time passes. What it really is is about how to live after that fire is out. That's how, how to become a Christian once it's boring. <laughs> and that was just always the, the connotation to it. And I remember at the time as a young, ignorant believer that had just really had a life change uh, with God. I remember feeling so confused and thinking, how could this fire ever die out? How could this passion and this love ever grow stale? And the other thing I thought is, well, I never want to let it grow cold. What, what do I need to do to keep this fire going? And it still amazes me to this day that there's so many people that are just okay with that, that death of religion. Y'all know what I'm saying? To where it is boring. It's, you're expecting the same old things every year, every week. And you just have no, there's almost like no enthusiasm to even find something new with God. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, how, how long does it take for that fire to die out? Really think about that. How long does it take that excitement to grow cold? And I think that people would, you know, if we were to try to be statistical, well, probably a year, a couple months, three months. Some people, it's a week. Maybe just as soon as you fall into sin again, right? <laughs> That's when it goes away. But at what point does it really die out? It's different for every person. This January 27th will be 10 years that I've committed to Christ. 10 years. Yeah, whoop, whoop. Thank you. <laughs> 10 years. And honestly, I, I feel, I do feel so excited about God. I feel on fire. There's times where I think, man, I should be doing more in my relationship with Christ. And there's still a part of me that wants to, that almost like naturally fits in to just being religious. To where we just go through the motions. To where I'm no longer as excited as I used to be of winning somebody to Christ. It's become normalized. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And I want to read y'all this verse in Amos, or Amos, depending on how your dialect is. Chapter 5, verse 21 through 24. And this is one of the most, I feel like, life-changing verses. And every time I read it, it just, it really, it fires me up if anything, but it also convicts me. And this is a prophetic book, and it's God speaking to the people of Israel. And he says, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. 
I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice and an endless river of righteous living. Now, I feel emotional reading that verse. He says, and weigh with your noisy praise. Your noisy hymns of praise. Think about just that right there. So where he's addressing the heart of people. They're going through, they're doing everything they're supposed to do, right? They're giving, they're tithing. That's all we hear about in church, right? That's what we got to do. They're singing the songs. I mean, you could go to a lot of churches and no one's singing the songs. This is a, this is a great functioning church. Statistically, when you look at, at the health of a church, it's usually their engagement of people, the percentage of people tithing and giving. That Those are big, uh, quantifiable things to show if a church is healthy or not. And yet, the whole, it, addressing the whole people of Israel, these were not... Those things were not good enough for God. And when we connect it to this verse in Revelation, he says, you have not met the requirements of my God. And so he's saying your actions don't meet the requirements of my God. And so it's, to me, it's just, it's showing so much of how important it is to connect with the heart of God. That's not just what we do, but how our hearts are doing it. Y'all feel me? And when I, I really, for myself, I, I feel like I need to wake up. Man, it, it's so easy to just, it be normal. When we have our prayer call on Saturday nights, one thing that I usually always say to the people that get on the prayer call, maybe you remember me saying it, I have to say, I'm saying it for myself too. And that is church tomorrow on Sunday is not just another service, but a day of purpose is a day for somebody to be saved, a day for somebody to be healed, for people's faith to be edified. It's not just another day that we're getting through. But that's what it becomes, isn't it? This is just what we do. I just got to get the kids ready, right? (laughs) If I could just get the kids there, then I could just sit down for a second, maybe. If I just go there, then, you know, I did my, my thing, my, to, my task for the week. I'm good with God. I put him first on Sunday. Oh, finally got that over with. When's the last time you felt excited for church? You know what I'm saying? Where you really were expecting God to speak to you. I feel like sometimes we don't hear God speak to us because we're not expecting it. It's almost like we're, we're expecting him to be quiet. We're expecting him to not want to talk to us. And when we feel like we don't hear from him, we're like, see? See, I knew he wasn't going to do anything. I knew he wasn't going to say anything. That's why I, I don't even know why I do some of this stuff. Right? Let's talk about these requirements more in depth. We, we can get so passive with our relationship with God that we use grace as a blanket word for us seeking distractions in our life rather than God, the divinity. God is not satisfied with our leftovers. I want you to think about 
If you've ever been in a relationship, I want you to think about that relationship for a second. Now, I've been married for seven years. And I can say from mild experience that when I give my wife the leftovers of my attention, it doesn't usually provoke a very healthy interaction. Y'all know what I'm saying? That if I spend all my day at work, go to the gym, hang out with somebody else, and get home and just want to watch TV or play a game, and then late at night say, oh, hey, babe, that is usually a recipe for disaster, right? (laughs) Because it shows that I have no intention of her being the love of my life, right? Even though she may be, My actions don't show it. And actions speak a lot louder than words. Now, what I just described, isn't that a lot what it looks like for our relationship with God? That we give him the very leftovers, if that. You have it on your heart. You know what? I am going to start reading the Bible. I'm going to do the daily verse. (laughs) The daily verse every day. Hey, that's where I started, (laughs) y'all. And you do that daily verse, and at first, it's like, right when I get up, as soon as I wake up, there it is, a daily verse. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Amen to that. And then, a couple days, a week or so, it's like, well, let me just check Instagram first, you know. (laughs) And you all see how easy it is to just let something just jump ahead of it? And by the end of it, it becomes something right when we're laying down for bed, like, oh yeah, that daily verse. I'll just skip it today. Right? That's what it becomes because we allow these distractions in life to be our God instead of letting the divinity, the divine nature of God to be the God of our life. And I don't know what it is within us, with human humanity, myself included, that we constantly look to other things to replace God in our life. I want to read y'all a couple verses. In John chapter 4, verse 23, says, but the, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father is looking for those who will worship Him in that way. God is looking for those who are just simply looking in spirit and truth. It doesn't mean you have to have it all together. Those are the simplest requirements in the world, right? If you just have it in spirit and in truth, if your heart's just really, just make your heart set on seeking God, that's what he's looking for. In Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. It's a committed relationship. That, that sounds like my marriage vows. In sickness or in health, you're my number one. And then finally, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 7 through 8, it says, this is, this is the Ten Commandments, by the way, starting off, You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You know, I feel like when it comes to this, the second command, do, do not make any idols for yourself, 
It's like, okay, well, I got that down. <laughs> I, I have not carved any idol out of wood or stone. Check. <laughs> I've not made that commandment. But what, what idols in our lives do we constantly put before God? Money. Money. TV. Any form of distraction in our day, right? Social media. See, I'm not, this is not a message to make us feel like, man, I suck as a Christian. It's, it's a message for us to, like, notice how Jesus is, his desire is to build a relationship, to have that relationship. He says, wake up. Not like, I'm done with you. His whole message to the church, to us, is a message of restoring what was lost. That passion, that fire that you had, the whole heart of God is to restore it, for it to grow brighter than it was at the beginning. It's not a message of, you always do this. (laughs) I'm sick of it. You're lucky I don't slam donkey to hell right now. (laughs) That's not his message to us, but it's it's almost like he's just calling us back saying, Come back to me, baby. You know, I think that the, when I think about praying, praying out of, you know, I feel like there's a couple, like, your, your basics of Christianity. It's like reading the Bible, going to church, uh, engaging in worship, and praying. And for me, praying is probably, was the, my start, that's all I had at the beginning, was praying and reading the Bible, and I didn't have anything else. But now it's something that is the hardest for me to do. I love reading the Bible. I could just do that all day. But it's because I don't have to talk. I get to just listen to what God's saying. But what's hard about it for me is because in my heart, I constantly struggle with the belief that God wants to hear from me. Anyone else relate? I constantly doubt that God wants me. I constantly feel like I have to earn something to earn his love. And when I feel like I didn't do enough, it's hard for me to pray because in my mind, my heart, I think that I didn't do good enough for God to want to hear me out. And I feel like that is the essence of so many of us that we feel like we didn't earn God's respect or his love or whatever, and that that's why it's hard for us to go to church. It's why it's hard for us to read the Bible. It's why it's hard for us to do anything with God because we feel like he doesn't really want us. Especially, maybe even for you, when I first read this verse in Revelation, you're like, dang, God doesn't want me. (laughs) It's like we misinterpret what he's saying to us. God is consistently always saying, I want you, I want you, I want you. But for some reason, when he's saying it to us, we constantly twist it and we think he's saying, I don't want you, I don't want you, I don't want you. Think about everything in scripture. Is God calling us to him? The very first commandment, have no other God but me. He's saying, I don't want you to cheat on me. I'm not, I'm not. Polygamous, I only want you. Not to go against anyone that believes in polygamy. <laughs> but think about, I mean, 
If you had a relationship, if you had a marriage, and your spouse or the person you're with says, baby, I'm yours every single day of the year, except I just want one day. Just one day to where I could be with whoever I want. I'm never going to talk to him again after that day, but that one day every year, I just want to do whatever I want with whoever I want. Are you cool with that, anyone? Anyone cool with that? No. No? No? I just want to make sure. So that's one day out of the year. That's just one day out of the year. Imagine our relationship with God now when... We don't say, God, you can have me every day but one year. But we say, God, you can have me one day a week. Is that a healthy relationship? No. And the thing is, is that there is true satisfaction in God. There really is. And so many of us feel like we haven't found it yet. But can I just project this idea for for you? is if you feel like you haven't found it yet, I want you to just be honest with yourself and ask yourself, was I ever really expecting to find satisfaction in Him? Did I ever really allow faith to engage my heart to believe I'd find that in God? Or did I not believe it from the start? You know, when it says at first... I want you to ask yourself, what was so meaningful for you about God when you first came to Him? What was it that first brought you to God? What did you believe at that moment that provoked you to do something different? What was it that you believed? See, we need to wake up and realize that we are far from that love that passion, and that deep belief that we had at first. There, there is really something to be found in Him. And I, I need to wake up. We all need to wake up. Because the distractions that we've put in place, the distractions, the distractions, the distractions, they're eating at our soul. And that's why even, you know, not to plug the 21-day fast, but really doing this 21-day fast is a perfect way to just get rid of those distractions for a moment. To get rid of those distractions for a moment and just focus on this true nature of relationship with God. Y'all know what I'm saying? And... I feel like for me, I I do different kinds of fasts, but one of the fasts I usually do is I do no entertainment for that 21 days. And up to the point, even the other day I was thinking about it, I was getting nervous. I was like, what am I going to do without entertainment? I want to watch movies. I want to watch shows and I want to play games. And what am I going to do those 21 days? I think that every year and it makes me nervous not having my distractions. But what I end up finding myself doing in the time of nothingness is seeking God. Where usually I'll play a game or or watch a show, I end up reading my Bible instead. 
I'll end up journaling instead. I'll end up like just writing out a prayer, writing out what I was thinking about with God. And it's so much more edifying and life-giving without the distraction. And I feel like even some of y'all right now is like, man, maybe I need to start this fast early. <laughs> Look, I'm telling you guys, it, it is so much life-giving to go to God instead of these distractions. Y'all believe that? And as we get ready to wrap these, this topic up, the, what God is saying He really wants from us is a pure, rich relationship. And I feel like in, in our church culture today, the idea of relationship with God over religion is a pretty popular belief among churches. And part of me was even hesitant to share this kind of message because it's not necessarily something new. But I just really believed and felt in my spirit that is a moment that we had that we need to reflect on and go back to. Because religion is something that it just feels like shackles and chains over you. And it holds you down. And the times that I've slipped into religion instead of relationship, I feel miserable inside. I hate it. It doesn't feel good at all. But the times that I, I go back to that relationship, it's almost like you have that moment where you're like, man, why did I ever leave this? And then you get desensitized again for a little bit of time, and then you can go back. You know, oh man, why did I ever leave this? I feel like this is a moment for us. It's like, man, I need to go back. I need to wake up. I've been sleeping too long in church with God. I need to go back. And so I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to think about your personal relationship with God. And how healthy is it right now? How passionate is it right now? Do you feel like he's really at that number one spot in your life? Or is he third place, fourth place, tenth place? Is he something that you only think about once a week? Is he something that you think about every day? Have you ever had a moment in your life where God was the first thing you thought about when you woke up? I want you to imagine for a moment what that would be like to be that close with Him, that intimate, where you didn't feel ashamed of yourself, you didn't feel guarded that you truly felt open, able to be vulnerable, and willing because God was everything in your life. With your eyes still closed, I want to look at the reflection of Jesus Christ. When I think about us asking all these questions, I think about Jesus asking himself these questions about you.
I imagine Jesus sometimes waking up. I don't think he sleeps, but waking up and looking over at his nightstand to see your picture there. And he wakes up to see your picture because he cares about how you're doing. He cares about your well-being. He cares about your happiness. And I imagine you being his first thought of the day. And for some of you, it's hard to believe that God would see you in that way. But everything that the Bible tells us, tells us that he does. And God doesn't overstep boundaries that we put. The boundaries that we place on him, he doesn't overstep those boundaries. He only allows self to go in the places that you let him to go. And if you want him to really enter in into your life, not just your heart, not just your mind, not your soul, but your life, that's a, that's a much more bigger picture. It's not something that's just private, but everything about your life. And if you want to do that today, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. And if you're here today and you feel like you need to go back to a place like that, you need to wake up. It's not that you're necessarily far from God, but there's a level that you need to wake up and find a deeper place of divinity in your life rather than going to distractions. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. And then finally, if you're just here and you have a moment, any little part of yourself that says, I want more of God in my life. I want you to raise your hand. Amen. And I'll be the first one to say that that should be my heart's desire to have more of God in my life. And the moments that I feel like I don't want more of God in my life are the moments I'm actually truly far from Him. There's never a place that is complete. I feel like there's always more to find in Him. There's always more to grow in Him. And so with every head bowed and eye closed, I just want to pray for you for a moment. God, I ask for your Spirit to be upon every single person here. And I pray for your peace and your presence. And for people that have not felt your presence in some time, maybe someone here, someone listening that hasn't felt your presence ever, I pray that right now you would shower your presence over them, that they would feel your presence come over them like a wave, starting at the top of their head, going down their shoulders, their back, all over their body. And that they would feel your presence touching them and that it would just confirm what I am saying right now, Lord. And that is that you want to be with them. Free from distractions and, and just a sweet, right place with you. 
And I just pray for your spirit to confirm your love for them. And that anyone that is listening that that is compelled right now to go to a deeper place of commitment with you, a relationship with you, I just pray that you give them the courage to do that, God. Because you say that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth what you did on the cross, that you rose from the dead, Jesus, that that's a start. And I pray that you give them the courage to be at that place with you and start something or even restart something. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.